You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. And now you can get it on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well. And when you get in your car, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight in the Smoothie King Center. This should be a fun one. I actually really like this Hawks team, even though they're bad. And you know what? They're playing a little bit better than the Pelicans are right now, so maybe they get a win. We'll look at that game in the third segment here, what we're watching for tonight as we hit the final seven games of the Pelicans regular season. But we got an update to start the podcast with, and that's coming straight from the owner's mouth, Gail Benson. Listen to what, or I'll tell you what she says on selling the team or not selling the team, as the case might be, as we've been saying here on the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. And then, of course, we're going to take a look at the NCAA tournament. Going to take a look at one prospect in particular, Ja Morant. I started doing my pre-draft scouting the other day. Basically fell in love with this dude. I'll tell you all why. I think, you know, I'm probably a little late to the party on this one. But, hey, whatever. Better late than never. So we'll take a look at him in the second segment. And we're going to cover it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so let's quash this Pelicans moving, uh, Gail Benson selling the team thoughts again, which we've done multiple times now on this podcast here. And I've given you all the reasons why. So we don't need to kind of uh, go over all of that again because it's just not happening. And we don't want to spend that much time on this, though. Thank you, Gail Benson, for the free content in the A block of this podcast today. So this comes from Larry Holder of The Athletic, and I think maybe she just spoke to the media in general. I was there for it, so I'm just going to read the quote. That's where I first saw it. And this is the quote, and it's, quote, there is no way I'm going to sell that team ever. I value the Pelicans as much as I do the Saints. I don't look at myself as an owner of a team or the teams. I feel like it's an asset I'm protecting for the city, end quote. Do you want a stronger statement than that, that, it, that, that she's not selling? there it is. It's, it's kind of as simple as this. I've said it, you know, she is hyper aware of the legacy that Tom Benson left and wants to do everything she can to protect that. And look, Benson's legacy is a little bit complicated. Yes. He was threatening to move the saints away from new Orleans in the wake of Katrina to San Antonio. But when he did get all that free real estate and money, basically from the city and the state, he truly bought into new Orleans. So at least there's that and became really committed to it after the fact. Maybe it just took a little bit of persuading to do it. That's what makes this complicated. But Gail realized what he was looking to do and is going about trying to keep that. She's also a New Orleanian. She wants to be here. I think she has more of an attachment to the city when never do anything to betray it. She was really the driving force behind Tom Benson buying the Pelicans from the NBA at the time when he was initially a little bit skeptical about it because she wanted to keep this team here. I don't know what else you want. That's a pretty definitive statement from her regarding this. Again, she has no need for money. 
None. She. We talked about it on last week's show. She just donated however many millions of dollars it was to the Second Harvest Food Bank, their largest donation in history. They're donating money, was it to Jesuit, I think, for their... Um, or Brother Martin, one of the, I can't remember, to, for, for their gym or something like that. She just spent millions of dollars on a tract of land to have Oshner build a new hospital on that she's probably going to donate more money to to build the hospital. She's spending money faster than she has it. Like, I don't even think she's getting tax benefits from it because she has so much money in the first place. So she's no reason to sell the team for $2 billion because anything she wants to buy, she's got enough cash on hand to do it. If there were heirs, if there were children that she wanted to leave the cash to instead of the teams, then maybe. But at that point, you still might be paying taxes. I forget what the threshold is. It's higher now than it was, but $2 billion's a lot of money. Maybe it's better to put the team into a trust. Hint, hint. So we'll see more about that, I'm sure, later down the line. But basically, this is as definitive as it comes from Yale Benson. Not happening, and I think it's kind of as simple as that. Another interesting thing from Larry Holder and The Athletic was he had an interview, a sit-down with Dennis Lauscha, basically one of the right-hand people to Gail Benson. I think this is where things look a little bit interesting. The question was, on the Pelicans' front, it's tumultuous. What's your overall perspective on where the team is now? You're going to be going in one different direction for sure with the general manager and then with Anthony Davis. And again, this is the answer. I'm going to read it in quotes here. And you should subscribe to The Athletic, which has a number of our friends working for it now, if you want to read the full thing. And it's definitely worth reading the full thing. But from Dennis Lauscher, quote, On the Pelicans front, I think there's certainly a recognition and a realization that we have to take a very close look at ourselves and what we've done on that front and how we can improve. We know there's a challenge being in a small market, but there was a challenge on the football side of the organization in 2006 when we came back. We can talk until we're blue in the face about the small market issue versus larger market issues. For us, that doesn't exist. We want to be a championship team in New Orleans, in basketball, in football. So we have to do everything we can and commit ourselves 100% to basketball. I'm not saying we weren't doing that, but we've got to make sure we have the structure in place to commit ourselves 100% to win a championship in basketball. And that's what we're working on. We're going through that process right now. We're going through the process of evaluating the structure that we have in place. We're talking to, and we've said it in our press release, we're going to hire a consultant to help with that. We've been talking to that consultant. At the right time, we're going to announce who that was, and the process is rolling along. Before we pick a new GM and before any decision is made involving basketball, I think we have to make sure we have the right structure in place so we can do as best as we can. That's where we are interesting. They say we need to be 100% committed to win a championship in basketball. And then they go, I'm not saying we weren't 100% committed to that before, but we've got to make sure we're actually doing it. I don't know if that's, they thought they were committed to it. And then they, the Anthony Davis situation kind of woke them up and made them take a good long look in the mirror and realize, oh my goodness, we are further away. And I think if you had to put it into something, that's what it was. This was a wake up call to everyone in that organization that thought things were okay when it turns out they weren't and they just didn't realize it for whatever reason it was. As much as it sucks losing Anthony Davis, if it wakes the right people up, 
and gets them to invest and do the right things, then maybe long-term, maybe not in the next five years or so, but over the next 10, 15, 20, this is a good thing for the organization that this happened rather than letting them just kind of keep going the way they were going. That way lies madness and you don't get anything good out of it. So maybe this is a good thing. Silver linings if you're looking for them with the Anthony Davis trade request. But it remains to be seen if the team actually does it. This is their chance to get this right. This is the chance to say, hey, we've, we're spending money. We don't want to be considered cheap. We didn't think we were cheap before, but we realize what it takes and we are going to do it. You only get one opportunity to really do that because you will run players off and you'll stay that small market team that doesn't win forever unless you get it right. This is the opportunity. We have yet to see them do that, but it's still early in this process. We'll see as we get closer to the summer what changes get made and before the start of next season. So we're going to start looking ahead towards the draft coming right up. But before we do that, remember to get this show every day, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist. There's too many podcasts out there. It's tough to know what to listen to. Himalaya's got a great algorithm that makes really good recommendations for new podcasts that you would like. They also add new features almost every single day day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So I started doing my draft prep, trying to build my own personal big board, doing a lot of scouting on some of these guys. And over the weekend, we already know Zion Williamson's one. That's where he's going to be and where he's going to remain. But then it gets to be a little bit open. We know there's top, there's three guys in this. You've got Zion Williamson. You've got RJ Barrett of Duke as well. And you've also got Ja Morant. And that's where we're going to start. Who's number two on the board? And after watching him in the tournament over the weekend and kind of diving into his film and his stats and a number of other things over the weekend as well, I've got Ja Morant at two. And I don't know if the gap between him and Zion is huge. It's definitely there and it exists. And Zion Williamson is better than him and should be a better NBA pro. But I don't think it's just this chasm that some people are kind of making it out to be. My God, does John Morant look absolutely amazing on film and as a guy who projects to do incredibly well at the next level. You're going to remember him, if you hadn't paid attention to him all year, from his game against Marquette in the first round where the 12 seeded Murray State team upset the Marquette team who was fifth. And then you had John Morant go for a triple-double in almost 40 minutes of action. 17 points, 16 assists, and 11 rebounds. He did that on 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 2 from deep, and five and going 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Stude was electric in that game. And he looked good in the next game, too, against the Florida State Seminoles, where basically he was just asked to do everything, and Florida State realized how you could defend him when you don't have other good players around him, and they lost the game because of that, and he just kind of had to try and do a little bit too much. So I'm not looking at that, because when you put him in the NBA, and he grows a little bit, and he's with other good players, you're not going to kind of run into that type of problem because other guys can beat you, and he just didn't have teammates that were capable of doing that against Florida State. But my God, does just everything about this guy kind of remind you of Damian Lillard when he came into the same draft as Anthony Davis did. John Morant on the season, 24.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, and a cool 10 assists. That's pretty damn good. 
He's not the greatest three-point shooter, and he's inconsistent there, but he's shooting it 33.6% from deep, so he shows that he can potentially get there. He shoots 81% from the free-throw line, which when it comes to measuring NBA shooting and potential there is oftentimes a more important stat to look at. Well, he's got that. He's doing it on a 55.3% E field goal percentage. He's got a, um, he's sorry, he's got a 6'7 wingspan on just a 6'3 height. He looks good. And when you watch him, his passing jumps to the forefront tremendously. Oh my goodness. You want a guy who can play next to Drew Holiday? This is the guy that can do it, that you can build your franchise around. He is so fast and just generates so much space for his teammates by starting to drive and just doing nifty passes. Reminds you a little bit of Chris Paul in action there. And he knows where his teammates want to get the ball. Now, I mentioned his athleticism in the beginning and how he kind of creates for others that way and uses that to create space, which means he can be able to get his own shot off and he can create it a little bit by keeping defenders off balance. But this is a guy who does have unbelievable hops and he kind of rose to the forefront and how we all knew him is a bit of a household name because he was the one just dunking all over the place to start the year. And I think that got him on uh, tremendous... Uh, amount of press and got him on people's radars because of that. He does, you know, he works off ball a little bit well too, but he wants to be on ball. And I think when you pair him with a guy like Drew Holiday, that's perfect because that's not where Drew Holiday wants to be. He's got good enough defense right now that makes you think it can translate. You know, he's going to struggle at the next level in the NBA, but it takes guys a little bit of time there to do that as well. But man, he's just got shades of so many different guys in the NBA that it makes you feel really good. So after watching him in the tournament and then watching Duke's game against UCF, which by the way was really, really fun, I'm putting him ahead of RJ Barrett who got kind of worked a little bit by UCF's Aubrey Dawkins in that one and kind of left you wanting a little bit, particularly because he couldn't keep the offense going himself when Zion wasn't playing as well as he could have for a stretch in that game. Makes you think just John Morant just it has it. You could put him into the starting lineup on day one and feel comfortable with it. And, you know, his, his comps range from anywhere from Damian Lillard. He's not as good of a shooter there, but maybe someone like John Wall potentially too. And if that's what his ceiling is, it's a guy you take a chance on. Maybe a guy you move Anthony Davis to go and get if you don't think you have a chance at the number one overall pick. But, oh, like, oh, my God, you watch this guy. And please go watch some film of him. You're going to fall in love with this player and think that the Pelicans should be after him. And if he somehow lands here in New Orleans, this team's going to look to retool and get back into the playoffs sooner rather than later. So it's a game day here in the Crescent City, and I don't know why I'm so abnormally excited about this young Hawks team. But before we do that, I've got to tell you about the Wise camera. That's W-Y-Z-E. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all, packed with premium features that allow you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. Look, New Orleans is a bit of a crime-filled city. Sometimes you can never be too careful. And personally, I got multiple cameras all over the house looking on the outside. I need those cameras to do a couple of different things. They've got to be in 1080p full HD. They need to have clear images so I can see what's going on as well as have night vision and wise has the ability to have all of that in their $20 cameras check on your home anytime with wise's apps live stream as there it's their mission to bring amazing smart home products accessible to 
everybody. Connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus and zoom in with an eight times digital zoom. One of the biggest things about Wise is they've got 14 day free rolling cloud storage with no subscriptions. Upload your images and your video to the cloud. Save them for when you need them with 14 day rolling free cloud storage with no subscriptions. There's nothing too small for the wise camera to watch and it's just $20 per camera. Get one for every room in the house. Get one for multiple things outside. We have a lot of construction going on around where I live. You sometimes hear it in the back of the podcast. They've hit our cars before all the construction. I have those cameras to check on that so I can call them out on that and then get them to pay for that sort of thing. We've had people try and steal packages, people creeping around the sides of the house. It's good to have these cameras and it just makes me feel a little bit more secure. Maybe you just want to watch your kids destroy your home while you're away. I've got a friend who uses his cameras to watch food while while he cooks when he goes and runs an errand to make sure nothing's burning while he leaves things simmering on the stove. Whatever you want it to do, the Wise Cam absolutely absolutely can do that. And for just $10 more, WiseCam Pan gives you 360 coverage in under three seconds. Life moves fast, your camera should too. You can also track the action. The WiseCam Pan automatically detects tags, tracks motion within its field of view, keeping up with life in real time has never been so easy, and it also works with Alexa. So go to wisewyze.com slash locked that's w-y-z-e dot com slash locked to get the lowest price anywhere again that's w-y-z-e dot com slash locked to get the guaranteed low price on the wise cam so game day here in the crescent city as your pelicans take on the atlanta hawks some injury updates for the pelicans uh alfred payton got added to the injury report yesterday so did anthony davis maybe we won't see either of them in this i think payton will be out i think it'll probably be 50 50 if if anthony davis is in the starting lineup or not likely they probably don't play because there's just no real reason to at this point and anyone who actually has an injury as we talked about yesterday you can shut those guys down for a game or two and it's only in the pelicans best interest at this point to try and lose a little bit more as they get into the depth of the tanking race here atlanta not been a good team this year though since the all-star break they've been about 500 they were real bad to start the year but have at least picked up since maybe around December 1st, which coincides with Trey Young, their rookie, who came over in that draft night trade for Luka Doncic, playing significantly better. He's going to finish second in Rookie of the Year voting, but I think this is a little bit closer between him and Luka Doncic than was originally thought. Doncic was running away with it for a while, putting up triple-doubles regularly. Young has looked good, though, including hitting game winners, his shooting percentages have increased, and he looks like a star in the making, legitimately does. I think he just had a rough first month and a half, and that exists, and you can't take that away from it, and Rookie of the Year voting doesn't start after December 1st, and that's likely going to harm him. On the season, though, he's averaging 18.7 points per game and almost eight assists. Pretty good. Shooting percentage, not great. Just 41.7% from the field, only 33.6% from deep. But if you look at some of his numbers after the All-Star break and after December 1st, they are significantly better. 
The other guy for the Hawks who's kind of big, and I've loved this guy since he came into the league. He's been my keeper in fantasy for something like two years now because of it, or maybe really one year since he was a rookie last year. And that's John Collins, 19.4 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. He's doing that on 56.5% shooting. He is reliable. He's also got a little bit of range to stretch his game out to the three-point line, so don't sleep on him jacking it up from deep. And that's because the Hawks shoot a lot of three. They take the third most attempts per game. They're not particularly great at hitting those, but they've been better recently, and those numbers are kind of dragged down a little bit earlier. They go after offensive boards. The Pelicans' bigs need to be stout on the defensive glass or not, depending if you want them to win or lose respectively to that. And they play Fast. They want to get out and run too, which sometimes can favor the Pelicans, but when you don't have potentially Anthony Davis, potentially Alfred Payton, or Drew Holiday in there, it can make life a little bit more difficult. Randall's likely going to get some minutes. You'll see Frank Jackson get an absolute ton. Christian Wood should probably get some more in this one. Kenrich Williams will get his usual allotment, and so on as these young guys kind of just get out there and play. You'll probably see some more minutes from Solomon Hill with some of these guys being out as well, because someone's got to play for this team as they limp towards the end of the regular season. So I'll be there in the building tonight. I'm back after being sick for the game on Sunday. You can probably still hear it on me here. I'm looking forward to this one. I just like fun young teams, which means I'm going to be really excited for this Pelicans team next year because they should have shades of these Hawks in them, which is, I think, a good thing. A team that just goes out, plays fun basketball, and tries really hard. You can't ask for much more than that. So enjoy the game tonight if you are going or if you're watching on TV. So thank you all for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game and keep talking all things Pelicans. Pelicans.